Welcome to The Spotlight with the Ambassador and the Chief. In this program, we take a fresh look at some of today's challenges from the economy, education, politics, security, defense, and much more. You'll be prompted to see and think about things just a bit differently. Now, here are your hosts, Ambassador Harry Thomas and Chief Alex Morales. Welcome to The Spotlight. We are your hosts, Ambassador Harry Thomas. And I am Alex Morales, the Chief. Harry, who do we have today for the program? We have a birthday boy, attorney David Youngblood. Happy birthday, David. Thank you, sir. Happy birthday, David. Thank you for being here. Indeed, I am pleased to be here. Well, David, please tell us about your childhood in Texas. Let's see. I am the fourth son of five sons and seven children. Uh, born and raised in Houston, Texas, uh, migrated to Dallas as a teenager, finished school in Dallas, finished high school in Dallas, went back to Houston for undergrad and for law school. Uh, from there, I moved to London for a year, um, study abroad program. After that, I attended law school. Actually, I attended law school after I had, I, uh, had uh done my study abroad program. Uh, then uh, took a job with a member of Congress on the Hill. Um, and about 15 years ago, came back to DC as a general counsel to the firm I'm with now. Now there are lots of pockets in between that time, but that's essentially the story. Oh, wow. That's incredible. If you don't mind asking you uh, what what day is your birthday? The number? What was it? Nine eleven nine. It was oh two days. It was two days ago. And, and thank you, sir, for your service. I might add. Oh, thank you, thank you. Hey, that's incredible. My son is eleven nine too. Really? <laughs> My son's birthday was on the nine. That's incredible. Oh, wow. Yeah, I have Very one. Good. Uh, the nine. My wife is the 14th of November, and my daughter, my older daughter, is the 19th of November. So, you know, my, wow, my, wow. my wallet is, is hurting in November. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> well, David, um, again, thank you for, for being here with us. It's a pleasure. And uh, why did you choose to become an attorney, sir? You know, that I have, I have a twin, and we both recall our father telling us at about the time we moved to Dallas, that he was going to be a doctor and I was going to be a lawyer. Now, that's the first time I had heard of the idea, and it wasn't until probably 10 years later that I ever even met my first lawyer, and um, I liked him. I thought he was a really bright man and something someone I admired and respected a great deal, and um, yes, I decided that would be uh, the course I'd attempt to take. Oh, wow. Great. And David, we're in the middle of the election uh, determination for our president, and we know you were in Philadelphia. What did you do and why did you go? Oh, yeah. I, uh, I was involved with the ballot curing operations in, in the state of Pennsylvania, and specifically Philadelphia, yes. Uh, that is where, for example, you fail to sign your ballot when you mail it in. There's a list of voters produced by the state that says these were rejected ballots. And what we did was we visited those homes saying this is your, your ballot has been rejected. You need to go back in and fill, a, fill out a provisional ballot so that your vote will count. That is currently uh, in the, the uh, courts now, determining whether or not those ballots are in fact, or that operation was constitutional or not uh, under Pennsylvania law. Oh, wow. Is it, is it that many votes uh, that people forget to do it right? I, I know, this year, for example, there's a lot of information about how to vote and, you know, the process. Is it still people, you know, uh, it's a big turnover of 
you know, of well, not voting properly? It is rarely the case that those provisional ballots will overturn an election. It is rarely the case that those ballots will overturn an, an election. And that is also the case this time. Oh, wow. Got it. Got it. But, oh. but imagine, I, I use as an example, if you walked into a polling station on election day and attempted to cast a ballot and you marked the wrong person and you went to the election judge there and said, this is not how I intended to vote. They will hand you a provisional ballot. They will determine that you are that person who is eligible to vote and they'll give you a provisional ballot that you will mark correctly and deposit in the box. This is essentially the same thing. Okay. Oh, wow. What was your reaction when the, the vice president Biden won? Um, just shy of the reaction I had when Barack Obama was elected. But just shy. <laughs> What was that one about? <laughs> And that was, that was an elation I, I, I don't think I'll ever feel again, actually. That's some big words. David, there no. was... Oh, go ahead, go ahead. No, no, no. I, I, was, so ex I was so very happy. I was, it was my mother and father who never got to see it. That's oh. what it was. It oh, was wow. my mother and my father who never got to see it. We understand that. Yeah. David, there were surprises. Trump won nearly 20% of young black males and 30% of young Latinx males. How and why do you think that happened? You know, uh, because there are real issues with Latinx males and African-American males, black males, it, there are real issues that have not been resolved and, and they are tired of, I think, that at least I've had some conversations with friends who think, who they know why uh, Trump answers the question for them. He's macho, he's, I don't care, I have lots of money and I, you know, You know, I'm a, I'm a badass, for lack of a better <laughs> term. Is that and, and that has some appeal. Is that something? Thanks. I've learned a lot. Yeah. Uh, you know, there are real issues that need to be addressed with respect to their access to the American dream. That doesn't include some of the stereotypes. I, I can see that, actually, as a Latin person myself, I can see that, that the American dream is sometimes uh, not um, uh, provided to everyone, or well, at least that's, it seems the case. Uh, I want to I go back real quick to the, when you become an attorney, just out of curiosity, David, uh, what was the challenges for you in becoming an attorney? Or did you, other than the academic part, we, we understand that part, but did you face any challenge uh, when you be, while you were trying to become an attorney? Oh, wow. Yes, lots of them. <laughs> lots of them. But, uh, but I will say this. Some of them were because of decisions I made with respect to my study habits and the commitment I had made while in undergrad to be the very best student in terms of the grades. And I didn't always have the best grades. In fact, I rarely had the best grades. But uh, yeah, some of those challenges were in getting into law school in the first instance, because I wasn't the best student. So you're like Alex and me, you rarely had the best grades. <laughs> uh, rarely, <laughs> rarely. The only, the only A we got were in our names. <laughs> 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 It, oh, right, right. 
and, and, and sometimes I mess it up even with my name. <laughs> <laughs> right. 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 So, yeah, uh, there were a number of challenges. And law school itself was a challenge. I had not known what law school was going to be like. I had no idea. I'd never, I'd only met one lawyer. And anything else was, you know, on television. Oh, oh wow. You know, it's funny because uh, that's one of the career that my my son wanted to pursue. He just, yesterday, by the fact, he just took the LSAT. Is it the LSAT? Yes, yes. Um, so he's trying to figure out, you know, if he can, if he can, you know, uh, become a lawyer, which is very, uh, very interesting. I hope he can achieve that for him. Uh, if, it's, right. if, if, if it's his desire, he can do it. I have no doubt. David, back to the election. I was in Georgia over the weekend. Stacey mm -hmm. Abrams did a tremendous job getting the votes out. But the Democrats, frankly, face an uphill battle in winning the two Senate seats in January 5th special election. And also, you know that they're going to hand recount the presidential election. Can you right. give us your views on that? I'm, I'm, I'm disappointed in the hand recount in the sense that uh, that's, that's a delay tactic that plays into, at least in my mind, plays into the, what is it, December 12th uh, Electoral College. For, I think that that just is an attempt to give him more time to stall, to see, to, to come up with something, a lifeline. That's what I think about that. With respect to the to the January 5th elections, I believe Democrats will have a very difficult time uh, with that. Uh, they may squeak out a victory with uh, Warnock. I'm not as convinced with Ossoff. Oh, wow. But why? I mean, we're, we're, why you think that? Purdue is loved in Georgia. He is loved. And it's hard to beat a guy who's loved. <laughs> That's, is that simple? It's that simple. I mean, you know, I saw called him a crook at the, uh, at the defense. Yes. He called him a crook. Well, guess who's leading in the, you know, who, guess who's leading? It's the hard crook. to beat a guy who's loved. That's, that is, uh, and I'm not saying he's a crook. I don't know. I, you know, I don't know the particulars about that. I know what's been reported in in, in the newspapers. That that is uh, uh, something that uh, is incredible to see. You know that. Um, but uh, you know, we we have to go and see. Hope everybody go out and vote. You know. Yeah, I mean, I, 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 everybody, every Democrat I know is seeking to move to to Georgia. To try to 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 make this happen, I know Andrew Yang said he and his wife were moving to Georgia to try to help. I know uh, Stacey Abrams' organization, uh, Fair Fight, raised six million dollars in the past few days. Oh wow! And you so, think even even with that, it will be challenging to win both uh, seats? Yes, I I, I do. Uh, I do believe it'll be challenging. My my hope is that that the Democrats uh, will be able to take both of those seats. But it's it's January. It's you know who's going to go and vote. It's uh, who's going to be able to get their base plus and to vote in January. So it's it's a matter of mobilization, not. The ability yes. to vote in a way, that's what you're saying? Mobilization and momentum. And momentum. You've got momentum now. Can it last past Christmas and New Year's and Turkey and, you know, it's hard. It's very challenging. Okay, with mobilization and momentum, we'll take a short break. We'll be right back. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. 
Tune in to the Voice America Variety Channel on the Voice America Talk Radio Network. Voice America Variety broadcasts a diverse array of topics, reaching a global community. Our experts come from all walks of life, and the topics they discuss are everything from current events, arts and entertainment, leadership, parenting, relationships, self-improvement, career advice, and a variety of other topics. Check us out today. You're sure to find something of interest. Voice America Variety. Talk on today's hot topics. Voice America programs are now available on your favorite connected device, including Amazon, Alexa, and Google Home. Through streams with Apple Podcasts, TuneIn, and iHeartRadio, listening to your favorite show is as easy as saying the show name followed by the word podcast. Hey, Alexa. Play Finding Your Frequency podcast. If that doesn't work, try adding on TuneIn or on iHeartRadio or on Apple Podcasts. Tune in every Friday to get your weekend kickoff early. Join the legendary G. Keith Alexander for What's Hot Harlem America. The flagship show of the new Harlem America Digital Network has something for everyone. From the latest in entertainment to empowerment, health and wellness, and more, we'll bring you a variety of fresh viewpoints, voices, and ideas. What's Hot Harlem America with G. Keith Alexander can be heard every Friday at 1 p.m. in New York and 10 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Stimulating talk gets those synapses in the brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one Internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com You're listening to The Spotlight with the Ambassador and the Chief. If you have a question or a comment about the program, drop us a line via email to support at dbaeecsolutions.com. Again, that's support at dbaeecsolutions.com. Now back to the Spotlight. Welcome back to the Spotlight. Uh, David, what do you think about President Trump refusing to concede or allow the transition to begin? Give us your thoughts. I think in the short term, it, it's not that big a deal, actually. Uh, he will leave, like Mr. Biden says, the the future president or president-elect says. He will leave. But for me, it's, it's kind of curious, uh, you know, he's replacing, uh, you know, senior military leadership in the Pentagon. Uh, is it to stay relevant or do you think it's just to create more uncertainty? Uh, you know, there are two issues that have been that have been brought up that that give me some concern one more than the other and 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 ambassador thomas is a uh, an expert on that and so he could probably better comment on it but the first thing is okay he's appointed this these loyalists in the top four positions or three of the top four positions and has i don't know what his plan is for 70 days that causes me less concern after having been reminded that once he's out of office, the kinds of security uh, concerns he may pose after leaving office. I was initially concerned about these 70 days, but now I've got a concern about after he's out of office. And I think the ambassador can speak to, you know, that kind of uh, knowledge. But, uh, yes, I, I'm, I'm concerned slightly, but not much. He's going to leave. Well, you know, we've come to this is Veterans Day. We know and respect the military very much and that we're not worried about military intervention. They're loyal to the Constitution. And that is uh, something that we've heard repeatedly. But we're not worried about that. What we are worried about is a Supreme Court, uh, something you're more familiar than with me. So do you think they will overturn Roe v. Wade as well as Oberfeld? You know, I am not sure, but I, as a, I have been on the side of the argument that says power concedes nothing without a demand. I am very impressed with 
Mitch McConnell. Because Mitch McConnell, and I'm going to go around the way to answer your question here. Mitch McConnell, when given power, he uses it. Notwithstanding, he uses it. And he builds a Supreme Court from scratch to his liking. So I have been of the opinion that if given the power to do so, I would quickly expand the court to 15 with two black females, one AAPI, one Hispanic, one First Nations person, and one black male, all committed publicly to progressive Thurgood Marshall thinking judicial prudence or jurisprudence. Well, AAPI, that's Asian and Pacific Islander, which includes your sister-in-law. Correct. uh, And my wife. Correct. (laughs) Um, That is, uh, that's an interesting take, which we uh, very much, very much appreciate. You know, you've been in, I I asked about Oberfeld because um, you're a gay person, you're married. Yes. Yes. And you've been at the center of this fight your whole life. Yes. And to see it overturned must, possibly being overturned, must give you some pause. I'm reminded of loving, in that case, a similar kind of view before that case came down about the precarious nature of their relationship and its future. I don't feel that now with respect to Obergefell. I, I, I don't, sometimes the court does not go back on societal norms. I'm not as worried about Roe and Obergefell as, as I am about other things, economic cases. Uh, David, for a second, would you tell, not all of our listeners know about Loving. Can you explain that case? Sure. Loving was the case of the Virginia couple who married the black, I mean, the black female, the white male who married and were thrown in jail because they were found to have been married. And the case went all the way to the Supreme Court and the court struck down state laws banning interracial marriages. And that was in, I believe, 1967, 68. Somewhere around there? Yeah, it was before I was born. That's why I asked you for it. Right. 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 Well, needless to say, I was, you know, already here by then. (laughs) So I I guess I cannot say anything because I was born in 75. So I'm the young punk in the group. Oh, my goodness. (laughs) Oh, my goodness. I was well on my way by 68. Oh, wow, wow, wow. It's incredible. Hey, David, this is amazing. I'm, I'm greatly, and I'm, I'm enjoying our conversation. I, I want to go back to one of the things that you were done because it's kind of interested me while you were talking, and it's about the you were a staffer at the, at the Hill, right, Congress? Yes, it's, I was a staffer for a member from California, um, and I did that uh, for about uh, four years as a congressional staffer, and a staffer is a person who assists the member in in advising the member on particular areas or issues. Um, um, for example, in my capacity, I advised the member on um, judiciary issues, transportation, not some, some transportation, but not much, on foreign affairs, Pacific Rim, Caribbean, Mexico, um, South Asia. I also advise him on social security, agriculture, um, what is it, telecommunications, things like that. And I would prepare his floor statements. I would write the floor statements uh, for the floor to give, you know, for a two-minute speech or in committee his questions that he'd like to ask of 
expert witnesses who are appearing before the committees, um, that kind of thing. So you do all the work for them. They just show up. (laughs) That's what you're trying to say. The staffers are the most important people. The staffers are the most important people. One can say that if their staffer is not uh, well-informed, then the congressman will be not well-informed as well. That's true. That is very true. And, and, And to assist the staffer is the Congressional Research Service. At the, at the Library of Congress, where as a staffer, I would ask a question or call over and I'd say, listen, I am trying, there's going to be a, an agriculture hearing on pesticides. Can you tell me how many ants are in one square inch of the northernmost section of land on the border of Arizona and whatever state that borders them on the Northeast section. And they could come back and tell you what that number is. It is the greatest library in the world. Nothing compares. Oh, wow. Oh, wow. That's uh. they speak every language on the planet and languages that are not languages have not been determined to be languages yet. <laughs> Hey, David, I recall finally you've introduced me to so many luminaries, including uh, former mayor of New Orleans, Mark Morial, uh, Congressman Jim Clyburn, who's playing an important role now, and our vice president-elect, Kamala Harris. Can you tell our listeners a little bit about the vice president-elect and Congressman Jim Clyburn? Uh, I, I am closer to... Congressman Clyburn, I'd like to think that I'm a friend, not his, you know, I'm not one of his frat brothers. And those are his closest friends. But he belongs uh, to the wrong, he belongs to the wrong frat, but that's what I know. You're right. And I and I and I'm dare you to say that with him in the room. But anyway, uh, <laughs> right. I, I have cousins that, that are similarly no, misguided. You're similarly misguided, right? Yeah, I have cousins okay. who are similarly misguided. Uh, cues, but you know the sigmas rule the day. There you go. Okay, okay. Uh, <laughs> he, he went in public and said, "David, look said at that." It. He said it in public. Uh, yeah, I'll let him know you said that. I'll let him know you said that. But um, yeah, I know him much better than I know the senator, the future vice president-elect. Uh, I have known her for probably or met her for the first time in 2008 at the Democratic National Convention. She was a very nice, warm, genuinely warm person uh, and smart as a whip and just really smart and nice. I mean, as a politician, she is a nice one. Hey, David, could you, you one other thing, if you could, the other person that you introduced to me to that I am so impressed with. Tell us our listeners about Elizabeth Lee. Uh, Elizabeth is a young lady that I met uh, as an intern in my office um, who, is, who was born in, in Los Angeles, California, but whose parents were born in North Vietnam. Elizabeth did not have a full understanding of that particular, that particular story in American history and why it is she was born in Los Angeles. And her parents were born in North Vietnam. Lizzie did not have a full understanding of that period of history as it relates to why she was born in Los Angeles. She didn't understand why that was. And she began to discover her story and, and has, began, has begun to ex- tell that story and include that story and live the story of the immigrant child 
the, the child of immigrant parents, particularly from North Vietnam. And uh, she's very impressive. She's a very impressive young lady who has, uh, I think, a Wrangell Fellow, a graduate of Howard University, has uh, interned with the future president, the vice president-elect, and is just someone I think is I'm very proud of, and I think she will do amazing things. Well, Wrangell, for our listeners, Wrangell Fellow means that she will become a diplomat. Um, she was an honors graduate, all A's from Howard University, and now she's at George Washington University. Uh, the Wrangell Fellowship was established by Ambassador Edward J. Perkins, the first African-American ambassador to South Africa, who sadly died over the weekend. But when I talked oh, to wow. him last week, he had uh, or, already at 93 participated in early voting. And he was both a Marine and an Army, member of the Army. So we honor him today also on Veterans Day. Yes, indeed. And I'd like to also add that Lizzie was an intern for the vice president, uh, the the future vice president-elect. And her story, she she followed the the district attorney, then attorney general of California, and she followed her to Howard University because of the future vice president-elect. Oh, wow. And with that, we'll be right back in a short break. Follow us on Twitter at VoiceAmericaTRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's VoiceAmericaTRN. These days, everyone is looking for information on staying young, healthy, and fit. The Voice America Health and Wellness Network is here to help you on your quest to better health and a better you. We talk about everything from diet, fitness, and aging to substance abuse, personal growth, mental health, and much more. Learn from our experts who cover health and wellness from traditional and holistic perspectives. Tune in to the Voice America Health and Wellness Network. Healthy living starts here. Have you become a member yet? Sign up now to become a member of Voice America. It's always free and easy. Plus, you get to take advantage of some great member benefits. Get unlimited access to millions of hours of on-demand content across all of our channels. Keep track of your favorite episodes, shows, and hosts in your own customizable library. Find out what shows you might be interested in based on your favorites. Plus, you get insider access with our newsletter. Membership gives you more. Sign up at voiceamerica.com and click register at the top right. Are you finding your frequency? It can be described as that space between failure and success. It's the future of digital media. It's finding your voice. It's engaging topics, content, and ideas. Jeff and Ryan discuss the digital media space and all of its aspects. It's about making the mistakes, taking the chances, summoning the intestinal fortitude to step out of your comfort zone, and discovering what you can accomplish when you decide to try, decide to learn, decide that you have something to say, and find your frequency. Live Fridays at 12 noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com You are listening to The Spotlight with the Ambassador and the Chief. If you have a question or a comment about the program, drop us a line via email to support at dbaeecsolutions.com. Again, that's support at dbaeecsolutions.com. Now back to the Spotlight. Welcome back to the Spotlight. Again, David, this has been an amazing... Uh, I wanted to, to jump out and uh, talk to you about a little bit of small business. You know, as a small business myself, you know, small business, uh, disabled veterans, certified business, what do you think we should do to grow our business or to let, you know, to, to drive and develop our business? Can you, can you talk a little bit about that, sir? Sure. If, if, if your desire is to do business with the largest business opportunity in, in the world, the U.S. federal government, if you want to do business there, um, take advantage of 
joining those organizations that focus on, for example, small disadvantaged uh, businesses, veterans-owned businesses, minority business enterprises, Alaska Native corporations, uh, organizations that focus on training and educating small business owners about the opportunities available throughout the federal government. I would also advise to the extent you have the resources or can obtain the resources, I would say to you, go and get that knowledge that will allow you to learn how to do the GS, the schedules, to do the schedules, to know for yourself. You go and you take the program, you pay the cost to do the program. You actually do it yourself. That's what I would do. Well, thank you. Thank you. I appreciate that. I I think one of the biggest challenges, at least in my experience, you know, we are Mm -hmm. in the... uh, our third year, third year, I think we're going to go to a third year working on it. Is knocking on the door and 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 convince the customer that that, that you could do the job and allow well, it. Well, you know, you're absolutely correct. You're absolutely. The contracting officers have to believe that they can pull off the shelf and count on Alex because just like you, they just like you. Look. Imagine you are in the District of Columbia and you're working for one of the federal agencies or throughout the country, in, in, in federal agencies throughout the country. You're a contract officer and a program officer or a program manager. You want to know that the taxpayers' money has been spent well. I need to be able to pull off the shelf because I know Alex's business the last time he filled that contract it was done. Good. Supervisors aren't mad at me. No one's making any complaints. Great. And I can go home at five o'clock. Okay. <laughs> That's, and, and to the extent you have the opportunity to meet those contracting officers, join those associations, go to those, uh, those um, events that they have at convention centers throughout the country, go and meet them, say hello, boop, boop. Hey, in two months, I'm going to be in the district. Is there an opportunity for me to meet at your office? To or next week, I'm going to be in in DC. Can I can I show you what we're doing? Okay. Do that. Establish the personal relationship. These are people. They have rules by which they have to follow. And just because they're your friend, or they had a nice lunch with you, or nice meeting with you, and they're not doing lunches, but if they had a nice meeting with you. But they, you, you've shown them your past performance. You've shown you that you can do the job. They do give opportunities. And those associations that you join uh, can, can kind of make those connections for you. And I would take advantage of it. Okay. Thank you. Thank you for that advice. Sure. Uh, David, that was fantastic for, for young people. Uh, small and new businesses. Let's turn back to the, the elections. Sure. Can, our, can our country be healed? Now, Ambassador, you are a much more thoughtful gentleman than I am. I am a partisan, <laughs> I am a partisan Democrat who worked every day to get this man elected. Uh, and, and, and I'm, I'm biased and I'm, I'm, I'm why am I being asked to shake hands with people who just finished telling me we don't care what you think? We're going to stack the court. We're going to not care about Russia. We're not going to care about kids in cages. We're not going to care about um, uh, systemic racism. That doesn't exist. Why? Well, you know, I just want my agenda now. You're a much more thoughtful guy, and you're the kind of guy who's going to provide the balance. Remember, I'm the guy who wants 15 immediately on the court. Well, you're not going to get 15 without. Oh, you're right. You're absolutely right. <laughs> but you're absolutely uh, right. Okay, so you you're a partisan Democrat. Then what do you want 
Biden-Harris to do? I'd like for them to start on day one reversing each and every single executive executive order that was um, initiated. I'd like in the State Department to re-up, re-amp, scale up, put people back in office who need to be there, critical offices that are that are vacant. I'd like the same throughout the federal government. I'd like the um, yeah, I'd like the same throughout the federal government in these positions where we formerly had experts and we now have loyalists. I'd like the experts to come back. This, um, this is, that's a curious thought that I just, it came to my mind, David. You, you're saying, mm-hmm. um, uh, you know, why would I want to get along? But if, if we don't get along, we'll, Will we be entering a, in a in a cycle, perhaps? Uh, what do you think? You know, that- look. Uh, uh, yes, we get along. We get along under under the under the terms of democratic power, just like Mitch McConnell said. Get along with how we're doing business. Okay, we had to adjust to that. We have to live with three justices, uh, conservative justices, after a stolen seat, and the most and the most recent. Uh, stolen seat was initially stolen from a black woman Obama, but President Obama appointed, you know, to the appellate court. So I'm, I'm not interested in, I'm interested in getting along so long as you understand this is where we're going. Well, we would call that gangster back in New York. Well, no, <laughs> no, I don't know. I'd like to use the term Mitch McConnell would use. Let's ask him what term he uses. Votes have consequences or something like that? He did indeed. He said vote vote has consequences. Or election has consequences. Elections have consequences. Correct. Correct. And and to the extent we had had, had garnered enough seats in the Senate to, to implement my plan, I'd fully expect and want Democrats to implement that plan. That is not the reality of where we'll be in January. So I understand that. And you have to, you know, work with what you have to go as far as you can with legislation. But with respect to executive orders, I'm pretty firm on that. Reverse most of them, if not all. Well, you know, Alex, I I, I think it, you know, if you look at, and this is me from the outside without even knowing it, uh, people are a little bit pessimist about those two seats in Georgia. But if you look at Georgia, I mean, they're still counting. And his, his lead is still growing. So knowing if I'm from the outside, I think the, the Democrat might have a seat to flip those two seats if they go out and vote, of course. But, I mean, they, it looks like they have the ability to do it. Don't you think, Dave? I, I'm, I'm not sure. Look, some people were turned off by the president and did not vote for him. And that's why Joe Biden, Biden won in Georgia. But they don't have that same view about Purdue. They don't have that same view about Purdue. He is not you know, Donald Trump. He is well-loved, you know, and I, it would be my dream to have both of those seats. And I'm going to do it. I'm going to do what I can to ensure that that is the case. Um, But they were voting against the president because they turned right around and voted for Purdue. The president is losing and Purdue is winning. Right. Hey, we can't we can't uh, discount your analysis or your math, my, uh, Mr. Attorney. But we want to thank you for joining our show. All right, it's I, I'm so pleased that I was invited. No, yes, the the pleasure is ours. We really, really, really uh, thank you for your time. We thank you for uh, your insight, and we hope to have you. Soon, well, next time in the future. Sure, I'd love to. I'd love to uh, visit again. 
Well, I don't know. Alex is changing your nickname to uh, Elections Have Consequences, but your nickname <laughs> to me is still going to be Gangster. Gangster. <laughs> <laughs> well, we, we will see what happened. Uh, I, I, I think uh, the country is changing. And uh, it we, is. It, it, we see it in front, in front of our eyes, I tell you. America, America has gone through this before. We have uh, two steps forward, one step back, two steps forward, one step back. Two, and that's just the history of this nation. And it's, it, it, is, it is what has happened to include more people in it, to have a voice. And, and, and every, at every turn, there's been opposition. But we move forward. We absolutely move forward. Well, I think, David, if you've seen uh, the, the special, the documentary, or read John Meacham's Soul of America, he tells us that we're an imperfect union. We're trying to be more perfect. He also reminds us that the suffragettes were first laughed at. Then they were taken seriously. But then they wouldn't allow black women to join because they were afraid of losing Southern Democratic votes. Right. For the amendment. And in the 1930s, the German American Bund, the Nazis, uh, went to Madison Square Garden and filled it up. Filled it up. Well, I think it was 19,000. Was it 19,000 or more? Yes. Um, we had the, the Ku Klux Klan in the South. Um, so you make progress and then you go through these periods of turmoil but we have always managed to survive and and thrive i think what upsets me i don't mind somebody opposing senator harris and biden but when right. somebody tells me that uh they hate our country that they're communists they're socialists um that kind of rhetoric is typical of rhetoric we heard too we if you look at the history books 200 years ago Right. So what do you, maybe you're right. Can we talk to people like that who say that their political opponents hate the country? Um, but, you know, Mitch McConnell and Steve Bannon say you Democrats bring a, a pillow to a knife fight. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm of that view. I'm of that view. Because when we have power, we uh, look for consensus with the other party rather than implementing what we say we want to implement in our platforms. I, you know. I, I'm the optimist that I, I think uh, this is something that happened in this administration is awakening the people that before were not interested or were not involved. I mean, if you think about it, 77 million people voted for the Harris uh, for the Biden-Harris vote, uh, and of course, seventy about seventy-one for uh, Trump. If you uh, seventy-seven million is the largest that anybody has gotten for both a president. So I I, I really think that uh, although people might think our democracy is in danger, I think it's it's showing an example that uh, people have the right and. Uh, they're they're expressing the vote regardless of what people think and whatever the opposite is saying. So I, right, uh, I, I'm hopeful for that. I, I'll tell you the truth. Well, uh, Alex, I, I will I will say this: I am less impressed with the 77 than I am with the 71, because that tells me just how far we have to go. That means you're looking at the glass. Uh, half empty versus half full, uh, right, sir? <laughs> uh, uh, perhaps, perhaps, perhaps you are correct. I should see the seventy-seven as the as the as the greater half, but that bottom seventy-one. My goodness, that's a very large number. Hey, that's stop! Very, stop! Stop uh, going off the cliff. You got to celebrate. Look, at, you know, you won. Be happy about that. Oh, I, I, am, I am thrilled. I am thrilled we won. But what do I do if I, what do I do? How do I convince the 71 that I'm not a bad guy? I'm not a socialist. I'm not a communist. I'm not any of those things. 
but I am black. <laughs> well, I think they can see that. <laughs> yeah, and and uh, and my fear is that a lot of the seventy million uh, have a problem with that. At least that's you know some, some may, some may, but I'm I'm with I'm with Alex. We've got to uh, focus on the positive. Uh, whatever the challenge is in our our nation, because look at it this way. Um, 70 years ago when you were born, 45 years ago when Alex was born, 25 years ago when I was born, we would not have anticipated any of these things. You're absolutely correct. And I'm committed to doing my part to bridge the gap between the, not sparring, but the disagreeing sides. I'm willing. I'm. I'm. I'm committed to doing that. Well, you wouldn't do it if you didn't love the country. Oh, I love. Yes, you are absolutely right. The greatest country in the world, the freest, the greatest, the most promised, promising com- country in the world. Everybody wants to be here. Yeah. Yes, and folks. With, and with that, the best country of the world, the absolutely. best democracy of the world as the United States of America. And this was Mr. David Youngblood. Thank you very much for having, uh, for talking to us. This was the spotlight with the ambassador and the chief. Thank you, Mr. David. Thank you. Thank you both. Thank you for tuning into the spotlight with the ambassador and the chief. Be sure to join Chief Alex Morales and Ambassador Harry Thomas again next Wednesday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time and 1 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. We'll talk again next week.